And yeah, about five minutes in, she was like, hey, I can't wait to tell you about the wealth edit. And I was like, what's the wealth edit? And here we are today. Welcome to Building Birmingham Together, a show about Birmingham's business leaders' successes, failures, and lessons learned to encourage you to remember that dreaming is free, but the hustle is sold separately. I'm your host, Kim Lee, founder and CEO of Forge. Today, I'm joined by two amazing women that blow me away every day with their passion, energy, and excitement. Lauren Pearson and Emily Lassiter are the co-founders of The Wealth Edit. The Wealth Edit is an online community where women talk about wealth. Lauren has been serving clients in the financial services industry for 13 years and has been nationally recognized throughout her practice, Somerset Advisory. Lauren has seen over the years that not all women are on the same financial path, and the Wealth Edit was born from this passion. Emily entered the financial industry as an advisor after practicing law for 15 years. When her husband died in 2014, she realized there's a desperate need in the industry for financial services designed specifically for women, but not in the traditional way that the industry has served them. This makes Lauren and Emily the perfect duo to launch a community for women to talk about wealth. They believe that the best communities are born when we learn something interesting together. Before we get started, Building Birmingham Together is brought to you today by Forge. Forge is Birmingham's first professional co-working space located in the heart of downtown Birmingham at the Pazitz Building. With private offices, open workspace, as well as meeting and event space, Forge is the place where small business owners and entrepreneurs come together, meet new people, and get work done. If you would like to find out more about Forge, you can visit workatforge.com. Well, Lauren and Emily, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so glad to be yeah, here. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear from y'all, hear about all of your adventures. Um, and I know um, that we cannot wait to hear more about the Wealth Edit, but I feel like the start of the Wealth Edit comes first from Lauren. I would love to hear more about what you do with Somerset Advisory and your journey to bringing that firm here to Birmingham. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for asking. Yeah. It's been, it has been a journey. Uh, I started with, as an advisor in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, I'm actually a journalism major and my husband, um, said, will you marry me? And we're moving to Beaufort, which has about 12,000 people. So it really kind of altered the trajectory of my career. Um, so one of the only jobs available in Beaufort if you weren't, you know, a lawyer, a doctor, or a CPA or independently wealthy was to be a financial advisor. And so I entered the industry in 2007, um, right before the Great Recession. And it was just a big learning curve as to how people were kind of like interacted with their advisors. I could, I came into the industry when there was a lot of fear and a lot of confusion. Um, and so it really helped me become a quick study on what people really need, which is to be in a relationship with someone and to have someone sit on their side of the table and kind of think through their wealth strategies, which is really what I've done. I started at a large wirehouse firm, um, and stayed there for 10 years. Um, 
I had three babies and we moved to Birmingham during that time. And so once we knew we were going to be in Birmingham long-term, it's when I felt like I could really think about where the best place to steward the wealth for my clients would be long-term. And what I realized, I'm a certified financial planner. I I decided since I was a journalism major that I needed to get some credentials under my belt. Um, So I became a CFP and we practice the fiduciary standard of care in the industry, um, which there's two standards of care, but the fiduciary is the more stringent one. And it says, I have to, in order to make investments for you, the interests have to, your interests have to be ahead of my own. And that was very important for me to practice at a firm that held similar values and really cared about the fiduciary standard of care. Um, I looked at some local firms and there are some great local firms doing amazing work. Um, but the way that we invest our clients' money is through active management, which means that we're not using a lot of index funds. And so finding this institutional style of active management in a kind of smaller registered investment advisory type of um, place proved to be a little bit more difficult than I thought. So I interviewed with 18 firms and I took the the search national and I found Hightower after a lot of due diligence. And it just felt like what they were trying to build um, with allowing the the advisors to build a firm that they of their dreams really um, with the fiduciary standard of care and the right back office support um, is how I launched Somerset in Birmingham. Um, so I've been with Hightower for four years and Emily joined me at Hightower in November. And really what I've learned over those four years is like who we we feel here that like, we're really good at serving a few people we've had. It's funny. We both met this person at different times and they said, we want to own wealth management in Alabama. And we thought, not us, you know, like, I don't want that. And I, we really don't. So we, you know, we just want to do well by a few. And that's really the, the fabric of, of the firm that we're building. And so we realized that the, the groups of people that we serve really well are really attorneys, um, women, because we're both women and we run this firm. And then also the, what I would call irrationally generous are those who are very philanthropic. Um, our tax code is still really generous to those who are generous. And so we have a lot of arrows still left in our quiver for those types of clients. And so we really focus on, on those people. And so we become a study or a student of, you know, how they create wealth over their lifetime. And so right when Emily was coming on board, that's when I was like, Oh, get excited. We're doing this whole other thing for women. That's like, it's not even attached to Somerset. That's how different it is. So anyway, and that's sort of where Emily entered the picture. So before we talk to Emily, one thing that I want to ask, cause I've heard you say several times and I've heard Emily say it too, that, um, that Somerset does financial advising different from other firms. So what, yeah. I mean, I know that one difference is that you focus on a narrow market, but then what else, what makes you different from other like big firms? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that it, that it really is sort of like the standard in our industry of success, I think is arguably a bad one. And it's how many assets do you have under management? And so then it becomes in our industry sort of the norm just to collect as many assets from clients as you possibly can, which means people 
in my opinion, take on too many relationships and families and you can't go deep enough Mm -hmm. if you have too many relationships. And so one thing that I've always protected and now Emily helps protect is the fact that we just are not going to take on too many clients like that, that I think is very different. We're not interested in playing that game at all. And so we don't. Um, So that allows us to really, I think, enjoy the relationships that come here. And I think, again, kind of going to that active management type of style where we're actually investing with outside managers and not in some sort of mutual fund structure, but actually where our clients own individual securities. It's so funny because it's such, it's an old story that now is so new because people have been index investing for so long and everybody is kind of doing the same thing. Um, I can see why a lot of people do it because the margins are certainly higher for those firms that work with more kind of like ETFs and mutual funds and that kind of thing. Um, But we've just made these kind of hard choices to do it this way. Um, And I think too, just the fact that another thing that I hear in the industry a lot is like, oh, we're a financial planning firm. So, you know, we don't focus much on the investments or like we're an investment management firm. So like, then they kind of discount planning mathematically, I've been able to create over time returns, both through great planning strategies and great investment manager selection. And so we're just kind of not willing to give on either of those things, which is why we can't do it for everybody. Um, And I think that that is really a difference is we're not like throwing everybody into a Somerset model and saying like, I hope you like it. It's just, that's just not what we do here. And so um, I'd say that those are some, some pretty key differentiators from what I've seen um, in the financial advising landscape. Would you add anything? I agree with everything you said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, where my story begins has a lot to do with just that because what, um, you know, my husband died. I, I've practiced law for 15 years, and then my husband died in a plane crash, very sudden. And thankfully, I was able to stay at home with my girls for a couple of years. But during that, those two years, I really, really searched for what my next career step was going to be. I knew I wanted to work, but I didn't know what I wanted it to be. You know, obviously, you know, events like that will cause you to um, have some perspective and decide. You know, I really don't love what I'm doing. Um, and I really want to do something I feel passionate about. And so I really thankfully had some time to reflect on that and what that looked like. And just through my circumstances, I would come into contact with so many young widows and then it became, you know, women that were going through a divorce or what, and it was just, I was talking to these women all the time and hearing, um, they would ask me questions just because I'm an attorney. And so they were like, oh, she might can help me with some of the business side of things. And the questions they were asking, often I would ask them, be like, what does your advisor do? You know, and thankfully my dad is an advisor in Montgomery, Alabama. And so he had helped me, you know, so much along the way. And at first, you know, I'd hear these questions from these women and think, well, you know, maybe my dad was just doing these things for me because he's my dad and, you know, not because... You know, he's an advisor, but after really talking to him for a long time about it, I realized he he did what he was doing for me for all of his clients and just really valued the planning side, but also being available to answer any and all questions. And even if, you know, it wasn't in his wheelhouse, he would say, you know, 
let me find you a contact that can help you and just was committed to his clients and had always been committed to having a smaller book of business, you know? And so, um, through that process, I just, you know, after talking to several people really started to consider whether or not I wanted to be an advisor. And, um, there's definitely a long story there. We don't have time to go into all of that, but it was just, like, well, but do share, just, do share a little bit. Your first plan was not to become advisor. Your first plan that, that was to right. what? What was no, your first it. plan? So in talking, yeah, this was kind of funny. I was like, this shows my, how naive I was. At the time. <laughs> how little I really knew about the industry. It's how right. little so many people know about the industry and the different services that are provided by different advisors. So I have this just wonderful plan to, um, create sort of like a mentor program where, um, and a, you know, an advisor would agree to mentor a widow and just say, like, let's walk through the steps that you need to take. And, um, and then, you know, if they ended up being able to work with them as a client, that's great. But also with, um, just the perspective that not all widows have money. In fact, many of them do not, and they need help just the same as the women that do have a lot of assets. So, you know, for me, I was like, you know, what if we could just get these advisors to volunteer to mentor, you know, a widow, one widow, you know, just to walk her through those first few months and make sure that she's getting everything done that she needs and then finding the right advisor because not all advisors are the right fit. Like at Somerset, you know, we serve a very, you know, small slice of the market, but there's so many other great advisors that serve others. So, I started meeting with advisors to tell them about my wonderful plan. And um, just within that first meeting, the first time I did it, they they said to me, okay, I mean, I think it's a great idea, but why, why don't you just become an advisor? I mean, why make this a volunteer program? And of course, that's why I'm saying like being naive is, you know, of course I was thinking this is, you know, all the advisors want to work with the widows, you know, I mean, this is, they've been trying to figure out how to serve them well for a really long time. And so after meeting with several advisors and getting pretty much job offers from all of them, I realized that, (laughs) wow, there, there is a need in the market here. Um, And along the way, so just as, you know, first, the first meeting, I was like, absolutely not. That's crazy. The second meeting, I was like, well, that's, interesting you know then I went to my dad and was like hey like what do you think about this and he sat there and he's real thoughtful and quiet and he's like I actually think that's a great idea and you know so there was the seed it was planted like okay this is a possibility and so then I just kind of got out there and started talking to as many people as I could and during that process almost every day somebody said have you met Lauren Pearson like you've got to meet Lauren Pearson (laughs) Lauren Pearson. And people are saying the same thing to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. And so that is how Lauren and I met. Um, and at the time, though, Lauren had just started Somerset and was not in a position to hire me. But what's so great about her and one of the things that I just appreciate the very most is that she gave me the confidence to say, I'm going to do this. You know, and you know, so many women need to hear that. Like, no, this is not the easiest path for you to take. It's something that's really needed and you can do it. Mm. And just as a widow, I'd had so many people sort of indicate that I needed to stay in this safe spot. You know, like you don't want to take on more than you can chew. You can't, you know, and instead Lauren was like, I think you should go for it. 
And there was something that was so freeing about that and just that I didn't hear, you know, very often and encouraging and empowering. And um, so I will always be so appreciative of her for doing that for me. Um, But then, so I went in and I worked with my dad at um, his firm in Montgomery for just to get some experience and loved that time with him. But after um, a year, Lauren came back and said, Hey, I actually have, I think I have the, the, I, we've, I've grown enough that I can hire you, you know, are you interested? And so, you know, my dad who's getting ready to retire. I was like, I think this is the right move. And so jumped on board with Lauren and here we are. And yeah, about five minutes in, she was like, Hey, I can't wait to tell you about the wealth edit. And I was like, what's the wealth edit? And here we are. Um, but what I love about the wealth edit, and we'll tell you a little bit, I'll let Lauren go into a little bit like where her idea came from. Yeah. One of my, like, as you heard with me saying, I wanted this volunteer program was that I really also wanted to be able to serve those women that couldn't afford to have an advisor. Right. And, um, so it was just really a gift to hear that. Cause I was so excited because the wealth that it, you know, we can serve our private clients with Somerset, but then the wealth that it allows us to, um, to, you know, educate the masses on what it's like to be a female in this world and the need to talk about money. Yeah. All right. So Lauren, tell us how this evolved, how you came up with this idea about the wealth edit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was really in 2019, I said, I am going to study how women make money. I did the same thing with attorneys in 2017. I just became like a student within my practice. And I was like, how do they make money? You know, what is important to them? What planning techniques can I align with their values and what, how they make money? And so, you know, with attorneys, it was much easier because it's like 0.25% of the U S population where women are over half. So I knew it was like a different type of adventure. Um, but and, and talking to women, so we had all of these round tables and we just asked questions that like had been on my heart for uh, serving women for 13 years, because every time I'm at a cocktail party or when I'm at a play date, I don't do play dates anymore, but like, you know, with my kids, they'd say like, well, what do you do if they asked? And they, I'd say, oh, I work in wealth management. And they're like, oh, I don't know anything about money. Like everybody who was a woman would say that to me first. And I was so bewildered because I was thinking, okay, I'm a journalism major and I like really didn't know anything about it either before I got into it, you know? And it was just kind of, but that was, it's almost like this screen that women put up as like a defense mechanism because we're taught when we're little, like not to talk about money and we're taught it's tacky and we're taught it's taboo, particularly in the Southeast. And so then like the more I started thinking about how women interact with money, it's like, we make financial decisions all the time. I mean, and big ones, like you hire an interior designer, that's like a five to seven figure financial decision. You buy a car, five to six figures. Like it's definitely, you know, it's just, we don't put it in the context. If we're making a decision for our home, it's like, oh, I want it to be a more welcoming place for my family. Oh, I want it to be X, Y, and Z. Like we, we talk about money in ways that are very feminine. And I think that that's where the industry has largely missed Mm. is that we have bucketed. If we talk to women at all, which this is a very male dominated industry, there are only 14% of CFPs that are women. 
and who are client facing. And then of course, if you add women of color, that number goes down drastically even more. And so it's just a huge problem, but it's the way the system was made. I mean, the system was made by men for men. So it kind of makes sense that it works that way. Um, and so I was like, and, but all the while, like even male dominated firms understand that women are big part of the story and that most women are going to be in charge of their money at some point in their life. The stat there is actually like 90%. And whether that's caring for your family members that might be sick, being divorced or widowed unexpectedly, being single when you weren't expecting to be single. Um, there's just a lot of ways where women are, are unexpectedly the financial head of household, yet we're not given any arrows in our quiver in the way that we just normally talk to each other to kind of sort this. And so that's really what I thought about with the wealth at first. And then the second thing is, if we're acknowledged at all by anyone in financial services, they just like put a they splash their website with pink and say like, I hope you love it, you know? And like, <laughs> that is really, or maybe we have a conference for all women. And like, Emily and I are the perfect example of people that like, we're friends, we hang out together. Like if you didn't know more about our stories, you'd think that we're really similar, but our financial paths could not be more different up to this point and they're going to continue to change. And so what I then looked at is like, okay, not all women are the same. Of course, half the population is the same. Like to me, that's kind of like a, you know, of course, but that's not how the industry thinks about us. And so we really created kind of like a fun quiz where you could determine what we call a glide path, which we have six right now. I actually am of the conviction that there's more out there um, where we just don't have, we took the data points that we had from our private practice. So the situations that we've seen in Somerset, we bucketed them over that 13-year history and kind of put them into like, okay, what are some commonalities that we can actually explore, celebrate, and communicate to a larger group? And so that's really the idea of the wealth edit. And also women would come in because, again, because Somerset is so, so like narrow, we just, it really made me sad when a woman would come in and I, we couldn't help her. She just wasn't a fit for Somerset. But, but when I would encourage her to go to a different firm, you know, cause there's some really good ones that we would highly recommend, they would never go. And I realized that like, that's the gap, like that's the gap that the wealth that it fills is like just getting women to a place where it becomes part of their vernacular to talk about money. Right. And once it does, then they realize where they thought the gap was very, very wide. It's really just a few small steps to get to where you need to be, to be more financially confident. And so that's what the wealth edit is trying to achieve. Um, when we started, as you know, it was March 8th, International Women's Day. We celebrated with yep. Forge yep. and it was so <laughs> exciting. And then four days later, we went into quarantine. So like all of our plans that we made as how we were going to roll out the wealth edit, what we were going to do, those all just kind of went it, like we basically had to throw them in the trash or put them on file that we can dust off later at some other time. But it did not like the plan that we had in place was not what was going to work for us through quarantine. And so we just really pivoted to virtual pretty much overnight. I mean, yep. we were like, you know what? Virtual is part of our plan. Now we celebrate this being the plan. And yep. that's what we did. And we thought that there would be the other thing that we, um, we have, you know, they're great, wonderful marketing strategists out there. And ours was very interested since it was such a brand new concept because no one else was doing anything like this. 
is, well, you need to give it to people for free and then maybe they'll forget their membership. I'm like, no, we are going, if we have five women that we can build around and we realize that this is like a great luxury given that we're running another business too, that's like feeding our families. Um, But this is one that like is really our heart. And so we're like, we want to build it to be something that's really, really meaningful to the women that get it. And so we really thought there'd be like five women. And then within a month we had like a hundred, which was so awesome. And we're really just kind of like now sorting through, it's like having a seventh month old, like it kind of really is. And, you know, it's like, we're still sorting through, like, what's the best way to communicate? What does the membership want? And that's what we're working on right now. So we're really excited about what's to come and like building this for the women that get it and want to talk about money. And we're like all in on getting the wealth edit to what it needs to be for these women to like feel more financially confident. So like if you're a member, you talk about membership in the wealth edit and you mentioned glide paths. So if you are a member of the wealth edit, what does that look like for a woman? Yeah. Yeah. So the wealth that it is, it is $34 a month. So that is, it's just a monthly subscription. And with that, you get access to everything that we offer. And, you know, the website is filled with great content. We have a couple of courses on there um, that will soon be more. I mean, we're working on, I mean, we have so many ideas. One of the cool things that we do have from this is that when you initially go to the website, you fill out your survey to figure out what glide path you're on. And so through that, so you'll first, you know, get like your poly or a prim or whatever. And then um, you're prompted to fill out an application if you want to join. And we do have an application process and really for two reasons. One is that we are gathering just great data on what women want to hear about. And so a lot of our content on our website is generated from that. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great resource for us. And it just really helps us see like what really is on women's minds as it relates to finance. And two, we want the people that apply to really be serious about wanting to be a part of the community and wanting to learn. And so we've, of course, we've pretty much let everyone in. It's not that, it's just that we just see that that's a step that just provides some insight into their commitment and why they want to join the community. And then once they join the community, they again have access to all the content, but then also what we've been working on, and this is because of COVID. And so we are working furiously to figure out like the best, most efficient way to do this, but we are putting all members into a wealth pod. And within that wealth pod, it'll be a group of women that they will come together with on a monthly basis to meet and talk about content. And because what we found is when women are presented with a topic and hear somebody else's story around that topic and then can talk within a group about it, that, you know, the guard goes down, the embarrassment of maybe not knowing everything about the topic kind of goes away and they just start engaging in real conversation. And what we as women, you know, when you're learning in that environment where it's relaxed and easy and no judgment, that the women just absorb all these concepts very easily. But, and then as it's done repeatedly, they end up like, I've learned so much and I didn't even mm-hmm. realize it. You know, mm-hmm. I think about, you know, just in talking to so many widows, they, they will explain like going to meet with their advisor and how 
they just feel frozen because they don't know what they were talking about from the beginning and embarrassed to say that they don't understand. And then also slightly freaked out because they know they don't know. And what if this person's taking advantage of them? You know, it's kind of this this cycle and they freeze. And so what we're hoping at the Wealth Edit within these pods is just to create room for women to talk and to let their guard down and learn from one another. And then in addition to the pods that meet monthly, we have courses um, and we'll have new courses that begin in the new year where women can choose what course they want to do. And that'll be, you know, like for six weeks, once a week. Um, So you can learn things about financial minimalism, which is not a budgeting course, but it is designed to help you become aware of what you're spending and why and, you know, sort of prioritizing your goals and helping your spending, you know, achieve those goals. Um, And then also uh, we, and we have attracted so many young entrepreneurs and that has been so fun. So we're going to have a course starting in the new year for women entrepreneurs and putting them, you know, there'll be a topic discussed each week. Um, We have a great um, young business owner that's going to be teaching it that we're really excited to unveil, but you know, all that where not only are they going to be learning things about business and running a business, but they're also going to be making connections within their industries. Um, So that's what the Wealth Edit offers. And then we also have events and meetups and hopefully in-person gatherings at some point in the future to all be together. Yes. And we have creative clusters. Like we've started those for like, we found a lot of people that are, um, are creative really want to know about the business side of things. So like we have those starting up and even within the entrepreneurs, like if you're a startup entrepreneur versus someone that's like, okay, I have a run rate of like a hundred thousand a month. Like what's my next, what's the next thing, you know? So like even parceling it out. So like we can connect women across the Southeast who are kind of in the same stage, but maybe wouldn't have any other way to connect, which is part of why we're moving from like, we launched in Atlanta and we're launching in New Orleans and we're going to try our, our goal is to connect all these amazing women in these Southeastern cities so that that adds more value to their membership than maybe what, what the sticker price shows. (laughs) Well, so I know that you mentioned you had had a big pivot from in person to virtual, but I also know that during that time you also helped women pivot as well. So tell us just a little bit about what you did with your pivot fund. Cause it's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, it was, it was really one of those like magical moments that just kind of where everything came together, which I can't say there's many of those that times in my life where it's like, everything just kind of came together well. And I think that it's because quarantine really united us as women or maybe as humans into like what is actually important. And so early in quarantine, early in COVID, we had a lot of time in our hands. And so I went down a rabbit hole of like, what did, what happened to female businesses, female in businesses in the last recession? And the data that I found was that four years, so women's like default position, which is so us to like protect. And so they would like scale their businesses back in the 2007, 2008, 2009 recession scale their business back and then just kind of like make sure that the doors stayed open, you know, which is on the surface, like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, except 
that when they were surveyed four years later, they found that their businesses were still smaller and generating less revenue, like less employees, less revenue four years later. So then I thought, and this is very much what we think about women in general, like our, one of our higher convictions at the wealth head is that women like de-risk when they should be kind of like risk on and vice versa. So like when things are going great, that's when we need to be thinking like, how recession proof is my business? You know, like we have actually a like checklist of like how recession proof is my business? How, how recession proof are my personal finances? You know? Um, so that's where we kind of think like, eh, that's probably where we need to de-risk a little bit. And when it feels like the bottom has completely fallen out either personally or professionally, that's actually the absolute best time to take a risk. Um, so we call that the comeback theory. We also have a course on that because it's very important. Um, and so that's kind of what we thought with the pivot fund is like, okay, what if we get, you know, first I thought I was actually talking to BB Goodrich, a good friend. Uh-huh. And I, she, we were talking and she's like, I said, I think I'm just going to get like $3,000 of my end money and like get run a grant process for women to like try to help a woman invest. Like maybe she's had this idea on the sideline that like now we have the time where she might be able to, if she had resources and time, she may be able to execute this. And then four years from now, maybe her business will be bigger instead of smaller, even if she's had to cut back over in this other area. And she said, nobody's going to apply for your little $3,000 grant. Like I'm like, she's like, nobody's going to want that. And I said, well, like, what are we supposed to do? And she's like, I mean, you need to find at least 25,000 like stat. And so I mean, really, I was like, that's not going to happen. And within a week, it was like the money was raised. And all of these awesome women, like just local donors and philanthropists, like women in business. And it was so neat to see the women like explain why they donated it because they were like, I opened my business in 2007 and it was so hard. And like, if I could help another woman, I would do it. And, you know, just all these really inspiring stories from this micro community were kind of a gift in and of themselves. We ran the process. We said it was going to be for women in the Southeast. Right. And there were 194 women applicants that applied. Uh, We were able to narrow it down to 20 and then to five that this group of women who contributed actually donated. They were the ones who picked the winner. And we picked Jessica Finley from Neo Waste. And she just did a great job explaining that for her company that was able to take kind of contaminated recycle recyclables and turn them into fuel that if she was able to get a shredder to actually store more recycling on site and be able to make it compact. And she just did such a great job. It's such a complex business. I can't even do it justice, (laughs) but she's like, I'm going to buy a shredder with the $25,000. And she did. And she sends us pictures of the shredder and it's so cute. Like it feels like it's ours, you know? Um, (laughs) And we're just so happy for her that she was able to kind of help this help grow the front end of her business while the back end of her business was kind of on pause because of right. COVID. So um, it was just a magical process. We really want to run one again, but our PR firm says, no, not right now, but we're going to like at okay. some point in the future. What would you say about it? No, I loved it. It was such a fun way to um, just as the wealth that it to these applicants and just to hear what they're doing, you just realize what an amazing market out there, these women are. I mean, just like just to get to know them. And that's my favorite thing about the wealth that it hands yeah, down is just to hear 
women's stories about the amazing things they're doing. And it'll just blow you away. And that was what was so neat about the Pivot Fund was that we were so inspired by these women. Right. And just reinforced our, like, like we're going to make this wealth at work, even if it is not at all what we pictured <laughs> when it launched. Um, but, you know, it's just like, oh, we want to serve this market and we want to come up with a way to serve them well and to help advance them. And, you know, I very much identified with the comeback theory because that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And that was Lauren saying, no, don't, don't stay in this little safety zone. Like think outside the box, what else can you do? And I just know like how much richer my life is now as a result. And we just want other women to know the same thing. Yeah. Well, so, okay. Y'all have shared these stories about Somerset, the work that you're doing there, full-time work. You started this brand new thing that I know is so much work. And I also know that y'all are both moms. So how are y'all able to do that? Like this just, um, you know, it seems unattainable. How, how can you share with us like how you're able to do it, what it looks like, the hardest part? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get some reality poorly. here. Yeah. Yeah. Poorly. This is a good metaphor for <laughs> how it goes on a daily basis. But um, no, it's very difficult. It's very yeah. difficult. Uh, but I have seen many great things come out of it. You know, I'm a single mom. I have two teenage daughters, so they're not... Um, they're definitely more independent than they've ever been. So that has been helpful, but you know, there's also just the emotional side of being a teen and needing to be present and aware and engaged in what they're doing. But they've also, I mean, you know, they've just joined in with me and I, you know, my greatest hope is that through all of this and them watching me change careers and me, you know, watching me try to build a business with a, another friend. I mean, that's an important part of it, like having a partner and, you know, working through that, but just for them to see that as females, like we, we can do this, you can, you know, and it doesn't have to be pretty, you know, I've always like prided myself on having the most fun Halloween parties and the, the you know, and you know, this year I'm just like, we're going to get a chicken nugget tray. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. And nobody's going to care that I didn't have any goblin fingers or whatever that nobody ever cared about. For, you know, so certain things, have, I've just had to let go of certain things. But I think that they see the joy that I'm finding in yeah. building this and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And I hope that they're learning, you know, all good things from that. And we've also learned how to extend each other a lot of grace. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good word. And I mean, it's, it just is the full time. I mean, we work at Somerset from eight to five and I feel like we work for Wealth Edit from five to eight. And like, at some point we sleep in that. I mean, I'm a night owl, so that's good. And then Emily rises early. And so, you know, it just kind of gets done, but our, our mantra is like present over perfect. And that's just mm-hmm. what we try to be. I mean, like wherever we are and whatever we're doing, like we're, we're, working on being present over perfect. And that I think is, if I could teach my girls anything that that's okay. Like you don't have to be perfect. Like that is such a farce. And so, you know, this is definitely like, whether we like it or not showing that it's very imperfect, but 
in a way it's also incredibly beautiful and it's fun to build and, um, it won't be like this forever. So it's kind of, you know, it's cute. We had the women on from the Southern sea on wealth at Wednesday the other day, and they were so awesome, but they were like looking at us like, we were like, they were like, oh, we remember when oh. that was the, the stage, you know, and it was cute yeah. because I, I mean, this won't, it won't last forever to so to like try to enjoy it in all of its chaos as much as possible is really the goal. Um, yeah. So I would say that. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things that I just love about the work that y'all do and personally about y'all and Emily and your story is just how important it really is to encourage women. And Emily, you made such a great point that I think as women, we, we forget and overlook just how Lauren said, you can do this, go for it. Like you can, take a risk and just the impact that it's had on your life and the life on your girls. And just to be reminded, like we can do it and how, how far that support really goes in the lives of other women. And you'll find people that will like help lift you up at the time you need it, you know, or tell you the truth. I mean, it just, it's amazing how, supportive women can be of each other and like how much women are capable of doing. Like, I think women can do anything. Like we tell ourselves a different story sometimes, but like, that's just not true. Like I've seen women do things. I'm like, that was pretty amazing. You know, like I did not think that that could be done. And here we are still talking about it. So that's right. Okay. I have some rapid fire questions for y'all before we end. Um, one, Um, what book have you read that has impacted the way that you do business or is, um, one that you would highly suggest? I like the 12 week year. It actually changed everything for me because I realized that I was putting my goals on like a calendar year, like doing a, I was very big into like writing out a business plan and doing the whole thing, but it was over a year timeframe. And really I executed 80% of that in like October through December. And so that's the whole premise of the, of the 12 week year is that like you break your goals into like very tangible, very quantifiable, like 12 week goals. And that has kind of changed everything. I'd say specifically for Somerset, um, where it's like, I just look at goals as almost like micro goals instead Mm -hmm. of larger ones. And then also in building a team, I love the book called traction. Oh yeah. Um, and it's about putting the right people in the right seats, which was very hard. Like don't read it unless you're willing for your whole world to be turned upside down and like see what's left. And that's the kind of book it is. Like if you execute on that book, like you will not have the same people in at your company in six to 12 months, like it is the craziest thing. So I was going to say traction because Lauren had me read it before I ever even came to Somerset. But it really did shape the way that I looked at our roles and how we were working within Somerset because Somerset was growing and we knew that we were in a position to then begin bringing on other people. And so for me, you know, not only am I a new advisor, but, you know, as an attorney, you work with a firm or a company and you're not really handling the business ownership side of things. You go in and do your job and come back and do it again. So that was really, really helpful for me to just understand how important our roles are and then figuring out how best to put that puzzle together so that everybody's plugging in and providing the most value where they can. That was really helpful. Um, 
I'm trying to think. There's just, I, I feel like all I did is like listen to books like that all the time. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. One is all that one is a good, good takeaway for people to have. Well, um, thank you ladies so much for joining us today. So if somebody wanted to join the wealth edit is the best way just to go to the website. Is that yeah, you just go to the website, you take the quiz. It takes like just a few minutes. Just make sure you complete it to the end. Otherwise, we won't be able to um, get in touch with you. It leads you right into the membership application and it'll give you your glide path. So you'll at least, if you take the quiz, know a little bit more about um, some things that may describe you and mm-hmm. your financial path. Then um, then we're pretty good about you know doing acceptances once or twice a month. So it may not be overnight, but you will... Um, get an acceptance to join the wealth edit and then it'll lead you to a payment screen um, and then you're in. So, um, and we'll place you from there to make sure that you get connected. But I'd say the thing, if you decide to join the wealth edit, like give yourself the gift of like joining one of the pods and actually being a member of one, like, like own that. And it might be awkward for like one minute. Cause you're like, Oh, these are people I don't know. Truly it's, that is where the magic happens. And it's so neat to see these women come together and be like, you know, just like we ask each other, like, Oh, where'd you get your hair done? Like you start asking those questions about financial things and it's amazing how much you learn so quickly. So anyway, when you say, yeah, absolutely. I think some, a lot of women are intimidated to join the pods and to actually participate, but that truly is it's the best. Yeah the heart of what we do. Thank you, Emily and Lauren, for joining us today. I love watching the work that you do to encourage women daily to think and talk about finances. You have created and are continuing to grow a community where women feel empowered. And I have experienced firsthand being empowered by other women. If you want to learn more about The Wealth Edit, be sure to follow along with The Wealth Edit on Instagram, where they share their knowledge every day. Lauren and Emily also host a podcast where they share stories of other amazing women doing amazing things. So be sure to subscribe to their podcast, The Wealth Edit Podcast. And thank you to Forge for bringing us this podcast today. If you are tired of working from home and looking for a professional place to work to get work done, Forge is your solution. You can visit workatforge.com to schedule your tour today.